So I want to talk about the new music and get your opinion on a couple things and, and talk about the tour. And I guess let, let's start with the uh, the tour, the here and now and coming up. Smile Empty Soul going to be at the uh, Whiskey on September the 18th. And I wonder for, for you, I was just thinking about it as a fan going, God, getting to play a historic place like that. I would probably count that uh, venue on my hand, you know, like know exactly how many times I've played that venue. Is it is it a special venue for you? And do you hold it in high regard like that? Well, you know, I, I do love playing it. I came up there, you know, playing the L.A. club scene so often, you know, uh, started playing there when I was 16 years old. And, you know, it's a great club as far as the sound system goes and, and of course, the history. And, and uh, they always treat us really well there. They're good people. And so it's, it's always fun to go back, and I always look forward to it, for sure. I, I don't live in L.A. anymore. I don't live in California anymore. So it's it's fun to, to come back through and go right through the heart of Hollywood and, and hit the whiskey. You know, since you said growing up there, I'm curious, is it is there any one whiskey show that stands out to you? Maybe a band that you either played with or you were just there in attendance and they, you know, ended up, you know, going on to exploding and taking over the world after that point. But you're like, ah, I saw them first at the whiskey back in the day before anyone else did. Well, I mean, there are a lot of instances, you know, back when I was in high school and playing the whiskey in what ended up becoming Smile Empty Soul. We, we did play with a lot of a lot of people that ended up going on to, to doing this and doing that. And uh, I did end up seeing a lot of shows there from bands that ended up becoming absolutely huge, you know, like System of a Down, for example, and, you know, Snot and, and uh, Static, where they put the X on the end of the name. And, and, you know, all those bands that were playing out there in the 90s that later went on to be something, I, I saw them all and played with, with a handful of them back in the day. So, so, yeah, there's a lot of legendary shows that I've either witnessed or been a part of that have gone down there. And sad to say, like two of those bands you mentioned, no, no longer with us, with, with Snod and, and uh, Static X, like a tragic that both those guys are now gone. We actually got to do uh, Wayne Static's last, I think it was his last run, we made support for him. And then tragically, you know, I, I think it was like a month after that run that, that I heard that, that he had passed away. Super sad. Man. What do you remember? What do you any any fun stories or you know moments with him or anything? What comes to mind when you think about Wayne? Nothing, no personal stories whatsoever because he stuck to himself. You know, it was very interesting touring with him. I I did a lot of shows with him, or should I say, with Static X back in the day, but never a tour. You know, it was always like a festival or or a one off or or whatever. And and uh, so actually, we did two tours, two short tours with him right at the end there. What was most memorable was was actually how he rolled because it was very <laughs> unique. He actually, I don't know if you ever you've ever seen those little campers that chill just in the truck bed of a pickup truck oh right you like open uh, it up and it expands out it doesn't have a pop out or anything it, it's just like a camper it just takes up the whole space of the truck bed of a pickup truck it's like a one bedroom little kind of unit okay and uh take a take a look now that i'm describing it to you next time you're out on the road you'll see them they're all over the place it's, it's just like a, a one bedroom little camper right and uh he he rolled in that um, him and his wife and like a couple of dogs, they did all their own driving and did all their own traveling and, and did not do any sound checks. So they literally just, you know, his band and crew rolled in their own vehicle and showed up in the middle of the day, did the, did the routine of the day. And then he just showed up right at the last minute to come out there, play the show, get, get in the camp and just bounce. Wow, total so, rock star style. 
Well, yeah, and but I mean, I can I can totally relate to why he did that. You know, after a long time of, of doing this myself at this point, I'm I'm not all about uh, the the partying or the interaction necessarily. You know, it kind of gets old after a while. So I, I totally can appreciate why he's like that and why he did that. But it was funny just because I'd never seen anybody quite do it that way before or since. You know? <laughs> Be hard pressed to find someone to do it in in a camper like that. I'd imagine exactly the, the little one bedroom little camper. <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on a pickup truck, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was, they were big in like the 70s and 80s, you're talking. Yeah, it, it's just, it's like a thing that, you know, just sits in the bed. It's like molded right for the bed of a pickup truck, and it's just a little tiny little thing. <laughs> I, I was going to ask you, too, are, are you one of those guys, that, speaking and talking about old tours and stuff, are you one of those guys that, like, oh, name a date, and I, I, I remember I'm there, or is it kind of more like uh, like asking me what I had for dinner last Thursday? Like, I don't know, I had something, I know it was good, I know I had a good time, but uh, what, what kind of what kind of guy are you? They kind of blur together for me, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I had that memory that, that I could remember and pinpoint every single day. We started touring and back in 2003, and we've never really stopped. We've never taken much of a of a break. And so the, the days kind of kind of bleed together, and the shows bleed together, and the venues bleed together. And, and uh, it's funny because I just did an interview the other day, and, and a guy was telling me about a show he had seen where we did a festival back in the early 2000s, and he named the lineup of all the bands, and you know, a bunch of great bands and he's like you remember that one i'm just like literally no like, <laughs> like nothing about that i remember at all you know but i'm sure it happened i'm sure it was awesome but uh at this point there's just there's just been too many shows you know i i hear you man I, I've, I've been on the radio just as long and you you know i couldn't go back to a specific you know day on the radio too so i totally i totally get it but i wanted to throw it at you just to see in case it does jog any memory and kind of work but uh, uh, small to big so to speak do you remember how you spent or or a show surrounding thanksgiving of 2003 out here in the ie at a venue called Gotham back in the day. You played a, a show I was working at a different radio station back then that's no longer in existence, but you played a, a show for us headlining at, at a venue called Gotham. Really? Was it on Thanksgiving? <laughs> uh, November 26th, so it would have been that like weekend. Like I don't know exactly what that, what that uh, would have fallen on, but that's Thanksgiving time, so to speak. It's not, it's not ringing a bell. Not it's ringing a bell. I'm not sure. You said it was in, in the Inland Empire? Yeah, it was in San Bernardino. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not remembering that. Well, you know, <laughs> it's totally fine. It was worth it was worth a shot. So even it, absolutely right before then, you had just finished a tour opening up for Fuel. Okay, remember that tour? Yeah. Any? I do remember that tour. Any uh, thoughts or highlights from working with those guys and doing that tour from back in the day? I, I remember seeing you guys at the House of Blues of Anaheim specifically on that tour. But any? Uh, yeah backstage hangs or, or collabs on stage together any any memories from uh, that fuel tour well i i just remember that was back in the day when i was partying pretty hard and and we definitely we partied it up with the fuel guys quite a bit it was it was pretty it was pretty crazy a lot a lot of good times a lot of a lot of fun stuff but as, as far as collaborations go it's funny you bring that up because i did end up actually making a, a little side project record with brett Oh, really? Uh, years later, we, we did a record under the band title World Fire Brigade that you could check out to this day if you'd like. It's out there floating around, where we both took some lead singer duty 
keys and both played some guitar and and uh he played the bass on the record we had ken shock from uh candiria play the drums and had a couple really cool guest guitar uh, appearances mike mccready from pearl jam played a solo on on a song and rob caggiano from uh anthrax and volbeat played a solo on a couple songs and we did end up doing doing a couple uh tunes together there and uh, that was pretty fun. Wow, that's cool. That, that's a, some great lineup. Some great guys you're mentioning. I gotta definitely check that out, man. Yeah, it's it's worth checking out. It, it got no play or no love. We signed with a, a a really small label that was supposed to do something for us, and ended up just folding ah. pretty much immediately after we signed with them. And they just flopped the record out, and and uh, therefore nobody's ever heard of it. But <laughs> it's, it's cool, and it's there. If you know, if you want to check checking it out later on. Yeah, I'm definitely going to look that one up. Did you guys ever get to tour or anything or or just kind of dead in the water? Yeah, we never did any touring. You know, Brett still does the fuel thing and yeah. I still am super busy doing Smile and and uh, he had a, a couple of young kids at the time and it's really tough to get the schedules to open up, especially to do something that's completely new and that you're trying to get off the ground that doesn't have too much money behind it because we both have to lose money to, to invest time on the road with, with that project and we couldn't do it. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it, you guys are definitely busy, always constantly touring and we don't want to ignore the, the latest album, your seventh that just came out a little over a year ago. Uh, Oblivion and, and cool video and tune for uh, Dopamine. Killer tune. Awesome. Thank you, man. Thanks for checking it out. And uh, was there any sort of mission statement going into this album? I mean, it's album number seven, but I imagine as a musician, there's always some sort of uh, objective for you going into an album. What was it for this one? You know, no overall objective. Just wanted to continue to make quality rock songs that are catchy and and can stick in in people's heads and and, uh, keep the smile name going and and continue to do what I love to do, write music and record music, you know. It turned out really great. I I was very stoked on it, and and we've done a whole bunch of touring on it. And It's hard with as many records as we put out to play too many of the songs live because we've got to play a couple songs from this record, a couple songs from that record, and mix it up. But uh, there's, there's still a couple tunes from oblivion that make it in the set every night because i love to jam a couple of those because you know you got to play bottom of the bottle you know you got to play nowhere kids you know you got to play silhouette like you know you're going to play those so you got to play those those new ones to keep your interest going yeah i have to mix it up and and uh there are definitely a few from the first record we've got to play and then we had a record called consciousness that had some some moderate success on a couple singles that still get a, a ton of love on on you know in the streaming world and the download world that we have to play and and uh then we had an album called chemical that, that we worked a couple songs that did some good stuff for us too that we have to play so at the end of the day a lot of our set list is taken up by by some musts and then there's just a couple of spots to fit in new stuff and uh Actually, because of that, we're, we're going in the studio here at the end of September. Right when this run is over, we're jumping straight into the recording studio. But I think we're going to do an EP rather than a full-length record at this point. Ah. With the changing of the industry, the changing of the way things go, and where we are in our own career, making a full-length record, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense anymore these days. So I think we're going to start just doing EPs, six-song, five-song, six-song EPs moving forward. And we're going to start with this new one called She that I, I hope to release in either November or December. Wow, okay, so a whole philosophical kind of uh, switch, and I don't blame you because it is a whole new world out there, and, and it's definitely worth the shot, but that's that's the plan moving forward is EPs and smaller batches, but more frequently. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, in this day and age, people's attention spans are so short, you know, too. <laughs> so it's like you put out a record, and the number of people that actually go download the entire album and then listen to the whole album, top to bottom, like it's a record. I mean, the number of people that do that is shrinking by the day. You know, it's more people that just throw on your your uh, Pandora station and, and just let it kind of shuffle right. your, your career catalog or though a new release came out might check out a couple tunes at a time with that change of, of how this whole thing works seems to make more sense yeah and and so you think more frequently so to be smaller like i said five six songs and then maybe two in a year instead of one every other year or something like that i doubt two in a year maybe one a year one a year sounds more feasible because okay. you do a lot of touring it, it's it's probably one a year seems like a, a good a good amount to to take on at one time you know I like it, man. I like it. Well, we'll we'll certainly have to uh, have you on again when the uh, when that comes about. Just a couple last things for you. Something I, I like to talk to everyone about because ultimately, you what you do, what I do, we're all music fans, right? That's why we do this. We love music. We have a fun little uh, music game I like to play. You know, a couple years ago, there was uh, what they called the big four of, of thrash metal, which was Metallica and Megadeth and Anthrax and, and Slayer. And they called that the big four. And I, I like to call this the evolution of that. So if that encapsulates 80s rock, let's go into the 90s and add one to it for what I like to call the flannel five. Curious, right. curious out of this list, who would be your numero uno? Not that this is a tour that could happen, but I just want to know Sean's favorite out of Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden. Who's your numero uno out of that list of Flannel Five? That's tough. I love all those bands that you just mentioned. I'd have to say Soundgarden might be my tops at the moment out of, out of those bands. Alice in Chains is right there, though, too for sure those those two it's definitely between those two but Soundgarden just is so eclectic and cool and uh, Super Unknown is still a record that I can go to anytime and, and listen to that whole thing top to bottom such a killer album yeah it, it is I mean that that's probably my favorite album of maybe that decade although Alice is my favorite I, and I just saw him the other night on the Corn tour and they're ugh, still incredible yeah they're killer man as far as touring goes yeah if I could pick a band to do a run with right now I'd have to say Alice and chains for sure we've done a couple of festivals with them here and there and they're still killing it that new singer is great yeah but you would go with Soundgarden that would be your, your numero uno I'd have to say as far as sitting back and, and popping the records in yeah although like I said Allison Chains is right there I've listened to all of that era so much in my life that I don't listen too often anymore right but if I am going to go back and throw one of those CDs in it'd probably be super unknown being honest like I always try and guess because I know I'm going to ask everybody so I'll try to guess ahead of time at home who, who's going to pick what and, and I would have guessed for you Nirvana I thought that's where I thought you would have gone but interesting well, Sam I, do, I do love Nirvana I've listened a lot to Nirvana and uh, and maybe overheard some of the tunes. So <laughs> Soundgarden has such a level of depth to the songs and the recordings. You know that Nirvana was was a lot of just simple raw songs and recordings. Mm -hmm. Whereas Soundgarden, you know, you listen to a Soundgarden record for the 150th time and catch some cool little weird guitar overdub that you had not even noticed first 105 times, and you're just hearing it now, and you're going, "Whoa, that's great!" You know, that's like hidden little gems within the recordings, and uh, because of that, it keeps it real interesting even all this time later. Yeah, I got to interview their uh, their the guy that produced uh, Super Unknown, Michael Beinhorn. Of 
few months ago and was just geeking oh, out nice. about that album but yeah so so much within that album to pull apart uh just to have yeah. some fun and wrapping up sean pick a uh, pick a sound garden tune to play for on the radio fell on black days perfect that was the one that michael the producer told me he that uh chris sent him a demo with that it was it was uh that and um uh, Black Hole Sun and uh, fell on Black Days on a demo, and he like lost his mind when he heard that on the cassette. Just like, yeah, oh my god! Out of a demo, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'd love to hear that. Hey, just in wrapping up. Uh, lastly, with uh, football getting underway, are, are you a fan? Do you have a team? Do you play fantasy? Anything like that, or n- no sports? You know, I'm not a sports guy other than baseball. Um, okay, I, who's your team? I'm, I'm a huge baseball fanatic, and I, I even play fantasy baseball. I actually grew up from when I was seven. Until I was 15, I lived in the state of Maine. So I grew up out there playing Little League Baseball and Junior High Baseball. And, uh, you know, the Red Sox culture is thick out there. So you, you grow up <laughs> in the midst of that. And I was born in California, in L.A., moved there when I was 7, lived there till I was 15, and then moved back to California at the age of 15. And the Red Sox culture just kind of stuck with me. So to this day, I, I root for the Sox. Oh, nice. I was hoping you were going to say one of the SoCal local teams. I figured you'd be like a Dodger guy or, or maybe an Angel guy like me being a, an L.A. guy, but Boston. Well, I'm, you know, I'm such a baseball fan. That I really do like all teams except the Yankees. <laughs> um, because of the Southern California roots for me, I, I do I do root for those teams. I've been to Dodger Stadium many times, and, and I've been to, to see the Angels. I like both teams, and I root for both teams. But the Sox just have to be my number one, you know. Yeah, no, I hear you. And, and, and Angels and Sox going this weekend. Not that I would want to talk Angels baseball right now. There's so much controversy, I don't even want to get into it. Yeah, I was pretty shocked to see the the uh, autopsy report. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, it's it's not crazy shocking. There's definitely a lot of opioid abuse going on in our world today, but uh, you definitely don't expect athletes on that level to be fiddling around in that world to that extent that that they would actually you know die from that. It's pretty crazy to hear. Yeah. Just tragic. A guy that had worked so hard to come back, been on the DL a bunch of times and battled back and was getting it, getting it together and just got married and everything. It was like, ah, come on. But, you know, I guess it's always... Well, it, one thing I have to say, though, is, you know, for professional athletes, I mean, all the injuries and, and the pain that they, that they have to deal with, I'm sure it's really easy to get onto some painkillers here and some painkillers there for legitimate injuries. And, yeah. and that can lead to things that you don't mean to get into. Yeah. I'm sure there's so much pain involved with some of those injuries. I mean, I, I actually have a, a couple injuries myself from, from just being a, a knucklehead. One time we were on tour in uh, Kansas City playing a show with, with Buck Cherry, a club called the Beaumont. On that tour, we had uh, longboards in the bays of the bus that, that we would ride around, you know, all day long in whatever town we were in. And we got in, into the habit of bombing hills. I was bombing a hill right in front of the venue. A car pulled out in front of me. I had to jump off the board. I broke my, my leg four Ooh. places and ripped my ACL off. To this day, you know, I have an injury that's just, it's its never going to be the same. You know, I, I limp around like, a, like an old man. <laughs> I, I just can't imagine what some of these athletes go through, you know, and then trying to get back to performing on, on this incredible level. I'm, I'm sure a lot of them have to rely on painkillers just to be able to go out there. Has it changed for you? Did that injury change the way you hold the guitar or anything? Nothing as far as music goes. It just changed the way that I walk. I haven't been able to really run since. You know, at least not proper. I actually, I tore my meniscus in the same knee a few years later, and I still haven't addressed that because I don't want to have surgery. 
I'm trying to avoid another surgery on that leg. I'm, I'm pretty much a gimp. So it, it's, it's changed the way that I get around. At least music doesn't require too much from, from my knee, you know. Yeah, just put it up on a monitor and hang it there the whole time. No. <laughs> yep, stand there. You know, I feel like I'm in my 60s sometimes, but that's all right. Yeah, hey, look at look how long Lemmy lasted, right? If Lemmy could do it for all those years, and you can too. <laughs> Absolutely. Sean, thank you so much for the time, man. It's been a blast rapping with you. Dude, you rock. Thanks for checking out the entire podcast. Now just hit the subscribe button. That way you get it sent to you directly. And follow me on social media at MikeZ967. Don't miss the radio show, bro. Wired in the Empire happens every Saturday night at midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks. Online at KCALFM.com. Adios.